Welcome to the Bagel Boys Show. This is a very special episode on Spider-Man No Way Home. As most of our movie reviews go on this show, we will be talking all aspects and plot points of the movie. So this is an official spoiler warning. This is definitely not a movie you want to miss if you're a fan of the Marvel or Spider-Man franchise. But if you feel like being a little rascal and listening to the episode anyway, hey... We welcome you as well. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the episode. Well, Wes, I uh, thank you for joining this meeting. I've been looking over our Spencer ports and the bagel budget for 2022. Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. Thank you for wearing your suit and tie as instructed. Right, right, of course. Uh, in your briefcase, which is, I'm assuming is just full of bagels. Well, no, this is the briefcase that holds all of the Damon documents. I grabbed this by mistake. Uh, I'll have to bring up our our <laughs> analytics for, for the next year and what we've got planned. You never know when you're going to need those Damon documents. They come in handy at the most random times. I take them to work with me every day. <laughs> this is my work. <laughs> this is our job now, Daniel. <laughs> Full disclosure, me and Wes quit our jobs. We're doing this full time. Uh, People are going to start believing that. (laughs) (laughs) No, they won't. (laughs) I hope they don't ever think that. No. (laughs) I will say we've got a lot uh, cooked up in store for our audience, though, uh, in the next coming weeks. We've got our year in review episode with Ben Bland for our top 10 of 2021. That's going to be exciting. Mm I see that on my Excel sheet. Uh, I'm looking at it right now. Yeah. Some yes, may yes. say it's uh, the longest episode of the show ever. So who knows? <laughs> then we've got our, our next uh, mini series after this. Which is uh, the, the Bat of Gotham, correct? Mm, yeah, the, the Bat of Gotham, Little Batty Jr., you know, Battenson. We'll end that with the Robert Pattinson Batman movie. The Batman. Much like Dawn of Justice. Let's see if we can get through the whole series without saying Batman. The entire, the whole thing. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. I think we probably could. We could just say like, oh, Michael Keaton this, Adam West that, Mm -hmm. Will Arnett here and there. I think we should just come up with more creative names and stuff saying Batman, like the Bat of Gotham, the Man Bat, the uh, the Cape the, Crusader. The Cape Crusader, of course. The world's greatest detective. He's the best. He uses his fists to solve the mystery. That new trailer looks so great. I know you probably haven't watched it, Mr. No Fun, but uh, wow. it looks amazing. <laughs> No, I, I haven't seen I have seen most of the Batman trailers just because they've been playing ad nauseum at theaters and uh Daniel. Hmm? What can you see this? Uh what sorry, tilt your screen up. I, there, I don't see anything. There's some sort of some sort of rift, some sort of some sort of energy field within the studio. It's the shape of a bagel. It is Daniel, I feel like we've seen this before. It's a giant purple swirly bagel (laughs) of course how could i forget wow i can't believe we're back 
back to the Bagelverse. Is this because there's the new Spider-Man movie out? It has to be, right? That's the only logical explanation. I thought we were done with this year. Yeah, I already forgot about the new Spider-Man movie. Uh, shoot. Um, hmm. I fell asleep through the theater. I should have paid more attention to it. <laughs> <laughs> what theater did you go to? <laughs> Well, I think, Daniel, it's safe to say that we've got to crack open the, the Spider-Man miniseries once again if we want to get out of this Bagelverse and, and review this Spider-Man movie. All right. Well, I don't have any notes. I'm not prepared for this at all, but I'll give them my best shot. I can't tell if you're joking or not. <laughs> no, I'm just doing the bit of we're in the Bagelverse unexpectedly. Of course I have notes. We're we're in the Bagelverse. Uh, I think last time we were... In the Bagelverse was our Spider-Verse episode with mm-hmm. uh, not Bagel Face, but what, Barry B. Bagel or whoever it was. Oh, <laughs> right. yes. Those were the days. <laughs> the bits on bits on bits. <laughs> we're trapped in our bit again. I knew it would come back to haunt us, uh, much like Bagel Face, uh, who I'm sure will probably, you know. Don't like promise. Don't make, okay, hold on. don't make don't make promises that we can't keep here. <laughs> I just want, I just want to make this a nightmare for you to edit. Oh yeah, I'm sure we'll come back at the end of this episode. <laughs> Actually, we've got you know Luke, Eric, Mikey, Logan, Chad, Danny Fenton, Randy, Danny. All of them are all all guests are going to be back on the episode. You just charge through your front door. You know, it's charging through the front door at this point, though. What's that? This tomato meter game. It wouldn't be right if we didn't look back at these Spider-Man movies, if we didn't take Mm -hmm. a look at the most recent film's tomato score. So this is Spider-Man No Way Home, the most recent Spider-Man movie starring Tom Holland, Zendaya, and a few other faces along with, uh, you know, Benedict Cumberbatch, uh, John Favreau, Marissa Tomei, the 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 characters from the Holland Spider-Man universe are definitely back here, and maybe maybe some others as well. But what I will say is this is going to be a spoiler-filled episode. I've yes. I, I've already put like three spoiler tag warnings in before the theme song. So if you're still here, this is literally your last chance to get out. Get out of the episode. Get out of the bagel verse. Leave while you can. I don't feel bad for you if you're still here. You know what you're getting into. Mm-hmm. We'll also be spoiling every other movie that came out this year. Like no way to, <laughs> n- no time to die is going to get spoiled. Uh, <laughs> we're going to spoil Dune. There's no spoilers. Every, to you Dune. know, let's just spoil every movie. You know, <laughs> Bruce Willis was dead the whole time. <laughs> All kidding aside. This movie was directed by John Watts once again. It's his third time at the helm for these Spider-Man movies within the MCU. And this movie, it was uh, it was received pretty well, I'd say. Uh, <laughs> financially, uh, critically, and as far as the audience goes, uh, people were pretty, pretty happy with this one, Daniel. Did it hit a billion yet? Because I know it's any time yeah. it's going to hit a billion. It did? It did. Yeah, yeah. I thought so. I bet you the audience score is probably 125%. <laughs> I, you know what? I, it's not that I disagree with that at all. I was just, I was surprised with 
and this is all very much positive things that I felt very blessed to enjoy a packed theater experience. But the fact that it overtook pretty every other Sony movie ever, not just Spider-Man movies, every other Sony release, it's their number one hit basically of all time. And then it, as far as movies go ever, it's number two behind Endgame as far as opening weekends go. Yeah. Yeah. Sony's going to let him come back and play with the M2 characters again. It would be the world's stupidest decision for them not to. Yeah, it'd be, I don't, I don't necessarily want them to in a way like, and we'll Mm -hmm. get into that, just where Mm -hmm. how things leave off at the end of this, but yeah, no, with, with these scores and everything and the money it made, money talks are we going to play this tomato game or what i'm ready both fresh audience and critics just shoot your shot here for for oh the, i guess i could do the critic consensus what are we doing it's, yeah, been, yeah. it's been too long a bigger bolder spider-man sequel no way home expands the franchise's scope and stakes without losing sight of its humor and heart like for real my guess for audience is 125 percent okay in the critics i'm gonna say a 97 percent 94 for critics 98 for audiences (laughs) pretty much yeah (laughs) i think it's one of the first movies that took me forever to find like a negative review and i'm not even gonna read it because it just sounds like someone was just trying to not have fun for the sake of not having fun. Cause this is a really fun movie. I feel like the only negative reviews of this movie I saw were from critics that already hated the MCU. And it's just, that's, it's just not a shocker. If you hate the MCU, you are going to hate this movie because uh, for better, or for worse is the MCU movie of all MCU movies. It's the Spider-Man movie for all Spider-Man movies. You know, I, I do like though that, this was something that I was really looking forward to after a long, long period of time. And the ending of far from home ends with, with Peter Parker's identity being revealed to the entire world through J. Jonah Jameson. And Peter Parker has to just kind of figure that out. And that's not a situation he's really been in before. He's had a few people here and there figure it out and he has to deal with it on a small scale, but the ramifications of everyone knowing was something I was really curious about. So that was the first thing that kind of caught my attention right away. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, this movie, I mean, it was an in-game experience. We're seeing it in theaters. Everybody was cheering and clapping. Um, it was the most fun experience, you know, going to a movie this year for sure. I think it definitely lived up to its height. It definitely did. And and it's like I said, with the cliffhanger from the second installment, Far From Home, like there's been cliffhangers before, but not really within the MCU, not really movie to movie where, yeah, you're excited, you're hyped, you're looking forward to it as much as any other movie. But this one, it was like, oh, we've got to really wait here to see the continuation of of what's going to happen to Peter and MJ and Ned and, and everybody, really. So that was one thing we we were even talking about it on our our uh, homecoming and far from home episodes. I'll play a clip of it really quick here that we were even guessing the name, the undercard home title of this movie. And so we had a few fun ones that we guessed. I just thought of another one. What? Spider-Man 
Home sweet home. Home sweet home. Oh, I like that. Home. Nice little snuggly. Is. <laughs> yeah. Spider-Man home loan. He's trying to get a loan. Spider-Man home sick. Spider-Man home depot. <laughs> Spider-Man homeschooled. Spider-Man. <laughs> nice. Spider-Man homeward bound. <laughs> he pairs up with... With the talking dogs? Sassy? The cat? Spider-Man, the home stretch. The home stretch. That actually... Mm -hmm. I might, but yet... That sounds dark, though. Oh, yeah. Spider-Man, I'm a head out. I'm a head out. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, we've definitely been having fun with these movies, so I'm glad to be talking about Spider-Man again. And I'm really glad that this movie... As ambitious and large and like you compared it to Endgame and scale as it is, it's very much Tom Holland's Peter Parker's journey to essentially becoming Spider-Man. Uh, uh, not mm-hmm. all over again, but kind of. Kind of. Uh, I was always excited for this movie, but a part of me was worried that it wouldn't flow well with the trilogy and that it was going to be um, it wasn't going to be Tom Holland's story. It was going to be overshadowed by the Toby and Andrew appearance and all the mm-hmm. past villains and stuff. But it definitely did not. It felt like it was definitely Tom Holland's story, and it fits the overall arching trilogy really well. I thought so. I was really pleased about that. Oh yeah, and and there it is. Really, like having other incarnations of Spider-Man who are to varying degrees of success and and having both of them come back and reprise their roles as spider-man and peter parker's having them within the movie as much as they were was a treat to see that it was yes fan service and there's a lot of fan service moments within this movie but it's never cheap there's always some sort of reason behind it at least most of the reoccurring characters if you've seen the trailer and seen the movie hopefully uh you know that Peter goes to Doctor Strange to solve this problem of everybody knowing who Peter Parker is, and he has him cast a spell to make everybody forget, but he botches the spell, and these different multiverse characters start slipping through who know Peter Parker some way or another, and that's how Willem Dafoe's Green Goblin comes back, Alfred Molina's Doc Ock, you've got Risa Fon's Lizard and Sandman from Spider-Man 3. Electro, played by Jamie Foxx once again, not blue this time. It was a very <laughs> big deal, and I guess the pitch meeting for him to come back. And so, yeah, it, it's you bring all these people back, and I really just assumed mid to low bar here that they were going to be in the movie for like five seconds. And, you know, some have more to do than others, but for the most part, the main characters and players being, you know, Tom Holland, Toby Maguire, Andrew Garfield, Willem Dafoe, and Alfred Molina, and Jamie Foxx as well, have a lot of stakes and something to say and something to bring to the story without just coming in and saying, oh, hey, it's, uh, it's pizza time, guys. Oh. <laughs> yeah. I, and I've seen those criticisms of this movie for being too fan service And sure, it's fan service, but I think fan service done well is not a problem at all like as long as you're not sacrificing the story and as long as it's not like like rise of skywalker would be an example of bad fan service where they didn't know where to go with that trilogy so they brought back sidious and they knew people would be excited about it and it was a just very uncreative idea but with this 
the decision to bring back those past characters we love fit so well into the story that it's not a bad type of fan service. Not all fan service is bad. It's okay to have fun. Yeah, you tell them, Daniel. It's true. <laughs> and, and to the Star Wars point, I think when you compare it to something like that with Spider-Man and the more recent Spider-Man movies, yeah, fan service is definitely a part of this discussion when we're going to talk about this movie uh, and most of it. But it's all earned. You have those smaller moments with Peter and his high school friends as they're going uh, into their final year of high school, applying to colleges and all that kind of stuff. And so all the little John Hughes-esque hijinks from the previous film starts to pay off and you feel the weight of their relationships and their friendships and these characters growing up before our eyes over the years. And you also, again, playing back onto the reoccurring characters, the journey that Toby went on, the, the failures that Andrew Garfield felt, all of those things add up and it plays to those things specifically to where all of the fan service that they're putting into this movie, well, yeah, some of it's low hanging fruit, but most of it pays off and has a reason to be in the movie. Whereas something like mm -hmm. Star Wars, if Star Wars came out with a solely fan service movie, like next year, I'd personally be pissed off because I'm like, you guys have had so many huge missteps over the last, you know, five years, essentially, or more, depending on who you talk to. And like, it's not earned. You, you've had like three really solid Spider-Man movies, including, you know, if you add in things like Endgame or Infinity War leading up to this and Spider-Verse mm -hmm. as well, where it's like, you know what, you can make one for the fans. and. I think they did that in the best of ways because I, I think you would agree with this, Daniel. This is firmly Tom Holland's best performance as Spider-Man and Peter Parker. It is, absolutely. Uh, I'm still undecided with how this movie falls and ranking of the three Tom Holland movies, but for sure this is his best performance. I feel like, uh, you know, I'm really glad that they chose to kill off Aunt May in this movie and because you get that true Peter Parker moment of him losing his mentor and this person he loves so much and I thought they were just going to have Tony Stark be that person but I'm so glad that they didn't because yeah. you know Aunt May raised him and that's like yeah. a true Peter Parker moment having Tony Stark do it was just a little bit wasn't enough and speaking as uh, you know not being enough I really thought just over the last few movies that it was going to be happy. I felt like they were setting up Happy Hogan as a sacrificial cow to be killed. And I'm like, why? Like, I really won't care. Like, it's not that I, no. you know, wouldn't be a little bit sad for the characters. But as far as Happy goes, I'm like, kill him off or have him leave, whatever. But seeing Aunt May pass away, that was really, really effective, I felt like. Um, mm -hmm. And not only that, but just having Holland Spider-Man come to terms with what it really means to be spider-man with the great power comes great responsibility and not really yeah. having to sacrifice on the spider-man end of things where i felt like mm -hmm. in the previous films that's what he's kind of struggled with you know the challenge of you know being spider-man and peter parker at the same time but also you know losing one of his superhero pals and iron man and having to kind of work around where he can be spider-man or what suit he has to be in whereas this movie it's the Peter Parker side of things that begin to suffer the most. And that's 
what the spider-man dynamic is all about that's what that's why everybody loves him that's why he's one of the most relatable people and why he's so popular is because of that he sees how his identity being revealed affects his friends and his girlfriend and how it's affecting you know aunt may and happy and just everything around him it throws everything into a tailspin and when he tries to fix it it just makes it all worse you know towards the end and then when it comes time towards the climax to make that sacrifice of Peter Parker and Spider-Man, which one does he want to be? He chooses the more selfless route and goes with becoming Spider-Man and Peter Parker is no more, which I thought was a nice kind of twist to it, to the, you know, the Spider-Man yeah. two side of things that we had back in uh, 2004. Is that a comic book storyline thread that's ever been done before where the whole world forgets Peter Parker? I think it is. I don't know if it's titled No Way Home or not, but I remember it being not, it's not nearly the same. There's different elements where it's the main thing is Peter Parker's identity is out there, but I feel like it, there was more time travel involved. I could be wrong. Uh, okay. It was not a fan favorite Spider-Man story. The way they do it in the movie is, I think, honestly, really well done considering the world they've built. This is what the 27th MCU movie here, for goodness mm -hmm. sakes. Like, uh, I'm glad that they, you know, did this the way they did and really were able to actually focus in on our characters and the things we actually care about instead of trying to be this big, you know, fight in the sky with all these different supervillains because it could have easily had been, have been that and it's it's impressive that yeah. we've talked about so many spider-man movies where the third movie or you know some sort of sequel has one too many villains and this movie has the most villains and it, it keys mm -hmm. in on basically two of them i would say um yeah well i like i love the i love the choice that they do with the ending it's certainly a pretty bittersweet ending and uh <laughs> you leave the theater a little depressed but i like that um it sets up the next few movies really well because i hope i hope they don't backpedal which i don't think they would um but i want sony just to do just solo spider-man movies without any steve characters um fighting the one-off villains like the craven the hunter i know they're coming out with that movie uh of course a venom movie and uh have him try to you know start a relationship with MJ again because they have that great you know she better be in those future movies and that's great so I really like how they set it up for the future I I completely agree yeah that's I yeah Tom Holland gives uh, such a a grounded performance in in a really crazy kind of multiversal world here especially when he needs to you know show his anger and his loss and the the contemplation and the fight within he does such a great job of that where not that other iterations of spider-man don't but th these stakes are different we haven't seen something like this on this scale before and it really plays to the strengths of the spider-man that they've built within the mcu and i like that he doesn't need to be the kind of more quick piece spider-man that andrew garfield was he doesn't need to be the kind of bare bones basic good old boy that toby mcguire was that's just a classic flavor this is he's his own spider-man peter parker mm -hmm. now and it's it, he's differentiated enough to where it's almost weird to compare and contrast them because he does he gets to this point in his journey of sacrifice so differently than the other two spider-man have 
for sure. Do you want to jump into some supporting distracting here? Because we got a we got a lot whole cast of characters here. Real quick, before we do that, do you have any negatives? Uh, we've only I, been singing this movie's praises, so I just wonder if you I, had any. I I, you I do, like. I do, but they will come up in supporting distracting. I'd say oh, as far as okay. story beats go, I'd say if there was a negative that's outside of of the cast itself and what the characters get to do, the directing mm-hmm. doesn't have a whole lot of style. And that's nothing against John Watts. There's just a lot of weird, and I, I, I think it may have been because of how the movie was shot or had to be shot to try to keep the secrets which they failed at colossally. If you were on the internet at all, you knew exactly who was going to be reappearing and when. But there's some shots in this movie where there's no like grandiose kind of reveal to some of the characters. Like when they're showing Willem Dafoe for the first time, he just kind of shows up. Uh, Same thing with Electro. The way they shoot him is they're these kind of wides that are close up and just one character is in frame and then it cuts back and goes back and forth. And it's like, it seems like they're not even in the same room. Uh, yeah. When you compare that to something like Mark Webb with the amazing Spider-Man two's intro, for example, even though that I don't really care for that movie at all. Like that has some great swinging and wall crawling scenes within those movies. And yeah. then same thing with Sam Raimi, just the way he shot a lot of those fight scenes. It was, they had a yeah. lot more flair and uh, fine tuning with their style where I feel like John Watts, it's just kind of, Hey, this kind of looks, yeah, it feels like the, the Dr. Strange sequence was phenomenal, I thought, but that's yeah. more on the effects team than the director, I think. Yeah, it is. I can see that. Um, my only real complaint about the movie was, uh, I guess it's the beginning of the second act where all the villains... Uh, a little too many wink, wink, nudge, nudge jokes of like, oh, yeah, yeah you wanted to turn the whole city into a lizard. Remember that? Oh, that was silly. Oh, I used to be blue. Remember that? And I was like, you know, I, I get it. I get it. And they're making fun of movies that didn't do as well like Amazing Spider-Man 2, and that's fine. But it, it was just a little too much of that, I thought. And my other small complaint was some very, very uh, convenient plot choices that were a little iffy like ned with the ring uh yeah. you know picking up magic really quickly um electro is not blue anymore because he's more powerful in this universe for reasons he looks like <laughs> jamie fox now he doesn't yeah. look like the character it, and it's fine like you know the movie's two and a half hours i don't need more exposition of how how this happened how that happened but it's a little too yeah. convenient sometimes but really that's it yeah and that, those last few things, like you said, are, are nitpicks mainly. I mean, the spell that gets botched is, you know, they they are very picky and choosy about which characters they let in when, you know, uh, they say they have a throwaway line, throwaway line where Dr. Strange said a few of them are slipping in and more are coming through and whatnot. And there's an infinite number of possible characters that could come in. But notably, you know, the two other people that knew Spider-Man, uh, as far as villains go, with <laughs> Topher Grace's Eddie Brock, Venom did not come through, thankfully, and Dane DeHaan's <laughs> yeah. Green Goblin uh, monstrosity also knew who Peter Parker was yeah. and did not make it. But then Electro, who didn't know, somehow was here. And, like, you can explain it away, I'm sure, in a million different ways, but 
it's at the end of the day they were just putting in the characters that they were like okay these could kind of all work without upsetting mm-hmm. people and we can make the weaker ones a little bit better or in the lizard's case just kind of ignore him and make it him just kind of pop in and pop out of fight scenes when we need him to i know well anyway let's get to supporting distracting shall we yeah let's let's jump into it really quick but uh Dude, this this bagel is getting bigger. There's something there's something popping through here. This bagel, this bagel above our studio. Is that Paul Giamatti? <laughs> Get him out of here. <laughs> He's trying to prove himself again. A few more bearded fellows. They look kind of familiar. Whoa! We got a couple wild and woolly men. Whoa! Whoa! <laughs> <laughs> Looks, we have two oh, two no. guests that the bagel versus has given us here. Who are you? <laughs> who, 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 hi, hello. Who are you guys? I don't know. We were just sitting there together recording a podcast, yeah. and suddenly we were here. Wait a second. So are you guys, me and Wes, in different universe? Because I could see Logan and I being similar. I I know a Wes. I can see that. I I actually have a brother, Wes, but he's like... not Wes. He doesn't look like this (laughs) fine chunk of a gentleman right here. Well, I guess to get out of the bagelverse, you guys just have to help us finish our podcast here. We're reviewing Spider-Man No Way Home. I was reviewing that when we we got sucked out of our... Yeah, That's you had just got done talking about uh, you had just got done talking about Tom Holland, Logan, and how great he is. <laughs> I heard that is it true that universe that your universe that Quentin Tarantino directed it? <laughs> yes and <laughs> yes. And. <laughs> Steven Spielberg producing. <laughs> oh wow. It's a very it's, a big, it, it's got yeah. a lot of tone issues mm-hmm. like the, the tones just don't jive because you can tell from one scene to the other one scene is clearly in tarantino joint there's spider feet all over the place he's zooming in on hands crawling on walls. Feet. the just web comes out of the ankles <laughs> oh no <laughs> no it's a horror movie uh does peter work at the big kahuna burger <laughs> no but every other scene has some sweeping john williams score and then suddenly et shows up so i don't know what's going on I think you were just on drugs, Mikey. I don't think that was the movie. What are drugs? Okay. You guys own drugs in your universe? We have spice. How deep does this go? I mean, it makes your eyes turn blue. It's called spice. It's a little iffy, but... We're, we're going to go ahead where we were. Uh, we were kind of giving a thumbs up or thumbs down, supporting, distracting on the, on the supporting cast of the movie, which kind of goes through a lot of different characters. So... I don't know. Is it is it Logan and and Mikey? I think uh, Logan. Who who are some of the standouts or uh, low lowlights of of this movie for you in the cast? Uh, wow. I mean, it's such a big cast in this movie too. Like much larger than uh, any other. Like uh, the previous Spider Man's. Like how many villains did we have in this movie? <laughs> Five. Yeah. Was it a final count? Yeah. And then hints at more, or maybe even six. I guess. I just want to make a quick point on Venom that. did show up. Yeah. <laughs> like, like they took every advice that everyone was saying, which was don't put extra villains in the movie. And they're like, nah, we're going to put as many as we can. 
they went it deep usually down. doesn't work. It usually, when you have too many villains. I know. I, you're, you're absolutely right. It, it killed the franchise work. twice. It killed a couple <laughs> franchises. Everybody remember Batman and Robin? <laughs> well, in this one, it kills Aunt May. Oh, yeah. oh my and, God. I mean, <laughs> That was a that was a tough scene too. I mean, to see Aunt May go out like that, she was she was so beautiful though. Like they could not have done that better. Yeah, she was Uncle Ben. Yeah, the Uncle Bender. When when Aunt May is a better Uncle Ben than Uncle Ben ever. (laughs) Yeah, what was the deal with the Uncle Ben in this movie? Did he just get drunk and leave the family or something? No, he had died died previously. Like. I don't even think it was Spider-Man related, was it? I'm trying to remember. I don't. They never talked about it. I mean, you see a suitcase in Far From Home, but that's about it. Let's start with Doctor Strange. Yeah, Benedict Cumberbatch is back as the former Sorcerer Supreme. Uh, He lost it on the technicality to Wong, and there were (laughs) there were a lot of things that kind of got switched up with his character. Uh, There was a line in the trailer about the spell and casting the spell. And he kind of winks at Peter and in the actual movie, he kind of just gets a verbal warning and it kind of gets a somewhat approval from Wong to, to just leave him out of it and go do what he will uh, with the spell. And in this one, it, it still messes up like we saw in the trailer, but yeah, I think a perfect amount of Dr. Strange and he yes. was he was the good he was the good like it was good doctor strange like doctor strange is great as a secondary like character i feel like that's his niche he's like a he's like a hulk character he fits in perfectly as a secondary hero with a little bit of an arc going on i think you're what you're right Wes. like it was just the like perfect amount of doctor strange in this movie not like mm-hmm. if they did two more then it's like okay how come he isn't helping and he can just solve this problem real fast? He's like uber powerful. He uses magic. Like magic exists in MCU, <laughs> but he's entrusting Peter Parker and his his friends to solve this problem. It's like, okay, all right. I don't, I don't know. I'm uh, I'm wondering now if uh, they used him well. I was real happy that he had as he was in it just as much, uh, just enough, a perfect amount. And I was happy that he wasn't like replacing Tony's role as Peter's mentor because throughout a lot of this movie, he kind of hates Peter's guts. <laughs> <laughs> and I love that they did that. He's like, this is why I never Angling over the Grand Canyon for 12 hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Peter does outsmart him. And I like that scene. They did still have to do the uh, the end game thing where in end game in the final battle, he's stuck holding the water from the dam from washing over everybody. And in this one, you know, Peter outsmarts him and basically traps him in his little shattered dimension for a long time. And then he shows up right as the climax of the movie is happening. And then there's some hijinks with the goblin and he ends up having to hold basically the multiverse together from basically shattering reality as we know it once again pretty much the same thing as endgame yeah. but you kind of have to do it at this point like you said right. logan he's just too powerful that's what he's there for the heavy it's lifting like it, it's like if you're in uh if you got a D campaign going uh, and i won't even finish that and i'll you guys are welcome to continue <laughs> i wasn't gonna reveal my nerd card that hard oh no you have you want already. a strong mage you want a strong mage <laughs> I love how fast you you bailed on that D and D bit. Where'd we land on Doctor Strange? Pro or uh, oh, distracting? Uh, I'd say pro. He's not yeah. in it enough yeah. to be distracting. 
You excited to see more of him? In his next movie, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I am. Uh, I, I'm always more excited about the things that are going to happen in his movie rather than him as a character. I, I just don't care too much about him as a character. and I don't see a lot of character development with him. I feel like all the character development that you're going to see happen in this first movie. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'm wrong. We'll see. I don't know what kind of arcs he goes on as far as the deeper lore, because I never really got into strange comics at all. But I mean, I don't think that's a bad role for him to fill just like the uber powerful, like stop the water guy. (laughs) Like he fills that role pretty well. (laughs) Dude, he's like flex tape. You just slap him (laughs) on there. (laughs) Solve problem. Flex steel. Only real in the MCU. Have you ever used flex tape? Yeah. So yeah. who's up next? Zendaya. Zendaya. Mary Jane. Yeah. It's Mary Jane. This movie gives her a lot more. Actually, she's not Mary Jane. She's Michelle Jones. She, sorry, yeah, Michelle Jones. Yeah. Not Watson. Watson. Not Watson. No. She doesn't go by Watson anymore, or something. But she is Watson. Yeah, but she legally. Is Watson. <laughs> yeah, it gives her a lot of a lot of payoff and uh, kind of builds more from where far from home left her off and so yeah that was one of the ones i was more eager to see because she's a very different female friend girlfriend to spider-man throughout these movies and i felt like that was a lot of the payoff towards the end of the climax yeah you get the big fight and everything and it's really cool but a lot of the feelings that you're left with are mainly around her and tom holland's characters in the movie yeah Yeah, she she was great in this i think this was a her best one yet like this was the best movie she's been in and the best performance she had much more to do and yeah like by the end of the movie it is kind of heartbreaking like how it ended for him and her the more i've thought about it because when when i first initially watched it i didn't like that she was okay with peter just doing the thing and making everybody forget him because that was like her whole arc the entire movie was that she didn't want that thing to happen and then at the end of the movie, she kind of like, it's like, okay, we can do this thing now. You have to do it. But I think it, I've gotten to appreciate it more because like, I don't know, it just illustrates her character in wanting to continue to try until there isn't an opportunity to try left. Does that make sense? Like until every single possible route is exhausted. Otherwise she wants to continue to try and help people. And she didn't really do like uh, rewatching Homecoming. Like she's in it, but like yeah, she's mostly just making like little one-off comments. And like yeah. she's yeah. very like because Liz was the main like yeah. girl for Peter in that movie, and they spent a lot more time with her. I feel like, but by the end of Homecoming, you're like, oh, like MJ, cool. Like we're gonna see more of her for her in the next movie, and then we really got to know her in Far From Home. I feel like mm-hmm. and this was just even even better. She and uh, Zendaya and Tom Holland have the Andrew Garfield and Emma Stone chemistry because they're also dating in real life, and it yep. shows. Yeah. I think. Oh yeah, it definitely shows, and all for the better. I mean, I buy their relationship. <laughs> I know that they're seniors in high school, but I totally am invested. I want them to be happy. Be happy. See, with them, I'd say they're like a step below. Where watching them, I feel like you know, if you don't keep your eye on them, you'd they'd run off and start making out in a room somewhere off screen with, (laughs) with, with stone and Garfield. It was like, are these two people about to just, (laughs) 
right here. Like, I don't know if I want to see that. <laughs> there's a, there's levels to this. <laughs> it's the yeah. same. It's the same family of chemistry, just different levels. <laughs> that being said, supporting all the way, a lot of yep. emotional payoff is, is built within her character's writing and her performance. Uh, jumping from her, let's talk about uh, Jacob Batalon's Ned Leeds. I know you guys don't like that they gave him magic, but I like that they gave him magic. I, it's not that I don't like that they gave him magic. Uh, like I said, I think that it's a little convenient of how quickly he picks it up and allows for a lot of big story moments to happen. And they rely a lot on that. You know, but I think Ned's a lovable character, and I'm glad they gave him that fun story thread in this movie. It was just a little too much of it, I think. I'll say this. If they had done the due diligence like they did with MJ and set it up back in Homecoming and then talk about his family's history with magic in Far From Home, then here in No Way Home, it might pay off a little bit more. Like, you know, if it was like a kind of a, a secondary thing that gets sort of hinted at earlier on. I think it's stupid. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> uh, I mean, him using magic, I get like it's convenient because the script needs him to do it. <laughs> but I, I, I just think back, like he started off in Homecoming as the guy in the chair. You know, like he was helping Peter. Like he was there for comic relief, but he also like served a purpose. Then in Far From Home, it's just like, oh, he's just comic relief now. And he's doing the whole dating Brady uh, Betty Brant thing and then now it's just like where he's just Jar Jar level like <laughs> comic relief and yeah. I'm like I I thought he was like this he was so distracting in this to me I, I every time he was on screen I'm like god just get him off like I don't care give me more time with the other Spider-Man or the villains like he was just so distracting to me I don't know it, it I, I did not care for him in this one I'm right there with you. I think it's crap, crap, mega crap. Uh, and it's more disappointing because if he was just some new character, it like it'd be different. It would still suck, but it's like, like you said, he's his friend in the first movie. He's the guy in the chair. He's kind of more comedic relief in the second one. And it's a bit, you know, offshoot. They're in, you know, London and all other places in Europe. It's a little yeah. different. But in this one, you're back in your, your, your stomping grounds. Like this is your city. You could have done like i get it like they needed some way to bring in the other peter parkers and they needed some way to have them somewhat involved in the last battle but with that being said you could have done any other like lazy way of writing it like you could have ned be living at the same addresses you know gwen and that and you know garfield just kind of shows up looking for gwen like he could have done it like any number of things to have them yeah. kind of show up or even have him like looking hacking something with a drone like looking and like oh there's spider-man swinging like let's go here and find him and it turns out to be garfield but yeah it's it's it sucks because we have you know 25 28 movies and you clearly set up the rules in Doctor Strange and they're completely just kind of thrown out the window for this. And so years of training it took for Doctor Strange. <laughs> yeah, years <laughs> for Doctor Strange because he was coming in with a bad attitude to begin with. And he doesn't have magic blood. Jeez, oh, the magic He's a muggle. chlorians are high. <laughs> okay, here's what I'll say. I'm saying I'm not gonna I'm not gonna die on the hill, but like I like it. I like Ned. I like Ned. I, I will like say Ned too. The distraction. 
the distraction thing about Ned's performance was that wig he was wearing. <laughs> that was so awful. Why did he just have him be bald? He's bald. I know. Life, he rocks it. Flash has new hair. Yeah, <laughs> he does. Flash. Oh, that's a distracting moment. Seeing Flash as a blonde—that was so unsettling. Yeah. That was Very a horror weird. movie. That's accurate, though. That's what a teen in his frame of mind, coming out of high school, would do, though. And I and in the comics, he's usually blonde. So I don't know if they were just trying to like reference that. Yeah, he's also extremely white in the comics. <laughs> also, they don't explain his parents again. What was that about? <laughs> no, oh, they don't. <laughs> I they mean, you could it. have it set up for the next movie, but I'm like, oh, Flash's they, there wasn't even yeah. a little bit of like yeah. hinting at all to that where in far from home they mention it three different times and in this movie there's like it'd be weird if it was in this movie again they just kind of ignored him which i thought was fine he wasn't distracting he's just in the movie for two seconds and that's it but yeah no flash parents revealed at all well maybe that'll be in the next one (laughs) y'all i'm buying a ticket to see flash's parents the new spinoff movie coming out flashpoint i'm in a disney plus flash series (laughs) can we please talk about my man willem dafoe yeah do you want do you want to save the villains at all or do you want to do you want to stay for like aunt may and happy hogan till later or do you i want to save the villains for last i do well all right uh, I'll just leave the chat. You guys bring me back. When you come <laughs> the chat? You, know you, t- you mean the bagel verse, Daniel? <laughs> yeah. We're stuck here. <laughs> we have to finish the episode to get out of here. <laughs> Similar to Doctor Strange, uh, you get a very palatable level of Happy Hogan in this movie where it started off, they're making the same kind of summer fling joke as the last movie which is fine because it's so close into time period where this movie picks up right after the last one. But again, he's mainly out of the movie. They use his apartment more than they use him in in the movie. (laughs) Poor Happy. I mean, she strings him along and she breaks up with him. She uses his apartment. I don't know if it's true. Okay, stringing along (laughs) is a bit loaded right there. Stringing along. Or is she just polite and, and he is hoping on a delusion at this point he seems kind of clingy <laughs> he does seem kind of clingy he's visiting your gravestone acting like he was you know married to her for 50 years i'm like dude <laughs> he's going through a lot okay <laughs> he's got a lot going on he lost tony he lost may <laughs> but i tell you i have not taken away anything from his emotional damage but i take big issue with trying to pin that on aunt may at all no we're I'm gonna, sorry. We're not standing. I didn't that. mean it that way. <laughs> I think that there's not. I again, he kind of falls into one of those characters that I wouldn't say is supporting or distracting, just because he's not in the movie a whole lot. If anything, he's good. Like he has that yeah. short Peter conversation yeah, with Peter. I, I think it's firmly supporting. Like when he's at the gravesite, like it's some good acting. Like that whole oh, yeah. sequence between the both of them, that's good acting from both of those both of those gentlemen. I'm a, I, supporting from me. I liked uh, that they used like uh, on the TV when they cut to his picture. They used an image from him from like the Iron Man three beginning, <laughs> <laughs> like when he had the mullet. Yeah, I'm like that's a good that's a good callback. <laughs> he says like I'm glad they used a good photo. Or something. Yeah, <laughs> that was a good line. I like that. Yeah, he was good in it. Yeah, just like I it. I don't know if I needed more of him, but like it was the, it was the perfect amount. I feel like. 
and I feel he did more. I feel like in Far From Home, like he that yeah. that like solidified his relationship with Peter. I feel like, and in this one, he was just you know kind of there, and yeah, he got dumped, so he was kind mm-hmm. of playing that up for laughs. I feel like, but I, I thought he was good. Yeah. We found out that Happy has a superpower: sleep apnea. <laughs> sort of a sort of a superpower. Right. Never be able to get a full eight hours. <laughs> another one to kind of chalk up to the so little screen time it's hard to say supporting or distracting but nevertheless someone i was very excited to see and my whole theater was very excited to see was charlie cox as matt murdoch the very good lawyer who is daredevil in the old netflix series show and old yeah. why do we have to say old it's only a, yeah. it's only been a, few it's a while ago right i don't know season three came out in 2018 like it was after uh infinity war i looked it up you know <laughs> uh, like at this point it feels like an eternity i'm happy he's back though yeah i love that uh netflix show and uh i'm glad to see he's officially in the mcu yeah I'd say uh, there was a very clear difference between the opening night crowd reaction to him showing up where like you see his walking stick come in and everybody just lost their minds. And then we went and saw it on Christmas day and it was still a fairly full theater, but instead of everyone erupting, it just sounded like someone like three roads ahead of us. One guy just goes, that's it just one soul guy was just over the hills for charlie cox being back in the mcu now and that i don't know which i liked more but it was both very positive that's great sorry i yelled that too loud by the way (laughs) i mean it's well earned he's great as daredevil he's gonna be great if they keep him around in more mcu movies like more of that please yes yeah i, I i'm kind of glad he had just showed up as matt murdoch too i had a, i was talking to a friend and he's like yeah it would have been cool seeing like him suit up as daredevil i'm like that would have been too much we have yeah, already too much we got what's he gonna show. do against electro yeah <laughs> <laughs> i'm sorry how's he gonna get out to the statue of liberty <laughs> he's gonna take a ferry out there <laughs> rush zoom over to matt murdoch in his full garb on the front of a ferry that is slowly making its way towards he's Lydia. like <laughs> i just see him the, the mcu just like completely ruins him they use him as comedic relief like the three blind mice from shrek where they're just oh, kind of no. <laughs> he's just matt murdoch he's not daredevil <laughs> He's just a very good lawyer. (laughs) He's like Mr. Magoo, just tripping over things. (laughs) Oh, jeez. Yeah, excited to see him. Um, I think that, is that all of them? Other than, let's talk Aunt May, I guess. Uh, Marissa Tomei. Great. Back when Homecoming came out, um, I don't remember being the most keen on her straight out the gate. Just because of what they were doing with that character. Like, it was such the a new hot Aunt May. Yeah, it was such a <laughs> departure from every, like, because I mean, I grew up with the 90s cartoon playing the video games in the early 2000s, and then Raimi and 
the Amazing Spider-Man trilogy. Every Aunt May that I have seen, except for like maybe the, uh, what is it, the weird, it's one of the weird offshoot comics that kind of rebooted everything. I forget what run it was actually called, but every Aunt May that I've seen was an older Aunt May who was a bit frail, but still very strong in spirit and able to provide a lot of wisdom and comfort and the, you know, a necessary landing ground for Peter when he gets too tired. And so to see, be used to that, and then be giving this character who's honestly, they, I think they, uh, that's my one gripe with Homecoming is I think they played up her like sex appeal way too much. Like I'm not opposed to her being a, like a feminine or character, but they don't need to make it so leery sometimes. Rosemary Harris was plenty sexy and you weren't complaining <laughs> then, Mikey, so you shut up. I'm actually trying to have a good point here. <laughs> I believe there's a hero in all of us. <laughs> oh, stop it. I'm oh. getting turned on. <laughs> Those uh, eyes. <laughs> Those horrible yellow eyes. Those steely blue eyes. Yeah. <laughs> I will say uh, this might be like the hot take of this episode. I was very much on board and very proud of the MCU for finally killing off like a notable reoccurring figure. And yes, Iron Man did die, but you know, it took like 12 movies or whatever to get there. And I think that was earned and that was, you know, very uh, satisfying. And this was satisfying too, no doubt. But as far as Marissa Tomei goes, I think, I don't think she's distracting at all. I think she's fine, but do I care about, her a whole lot or the fact that they killed off aunt may because when i look back the it's just the the hot jokes and the the comedic relief mainly for her in homecoming and there's a lot of different characters in that movie including tony stark and happy and there's more of them so he's kind of those are the adult figures in peter's life and then far from home she's barely in that other than the few jokes and in this movie it like it's finally going to give you a little bit of something where they you see uh, her talking to Willem Dafoe in the feast uh, kind of housing unit that she runs for the, the people in need and everything. And it's finally getting to the good stuff of Aunt May, but there's so little of that. And then she dies. And I'm like, I'm disappointed that we didn't have that Aunt May highlighted three movies in i would have cared so much more i don't think she's distracting though i'm just like we got the good stuff for one movie and then they killed her when we could have had that aunt may throughout and then kill her it would have been a million times more effective in my opinion uh is it i don't know does that make it lesser i don't think so like you're pointing out that's what i'm saying yeah, but the way you said it, though, it's like, yes, I have issues with it because of this reason, but it still affected me very deeply when it happened. I mean, because that was I point. love Aunt yeah. May and I love Spider-Man. Yeah, I, I think I Wes is saying, saying that it would just been even more effective. It would, it, right, like it was effective when she died, but to Wes's point, yeah, it really would Rosemary Harris harder. stepped out of a portal and, and died. It would have been oh. more impactful. <laughs> <laughs> No, I get what you're saying, though. And I think looking back at it, yeah, I think it is more like just putting Aunt May as a character, you know, you kill her off in any media, you know, it's kind of a big deal because it means something for the character of Spider-Man. Right. Thank you. Um, that that being said, yeah, I, looking back at it, we didn't really see a lot of Aunt May and Peter 
really bonding in those other two mm-hmm. movies. Mm-hmm. She learns it's, it's more about Peter Tingle jokes and throwing a banana, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you get like the you get you know kind of a talk over line when he's talking to Doctor Strange about how Aunt May needs to know because when she found out it was Spider-Man, it was really hard. And we had a lot of these serious talks that I was like, I never saw that. You could have just shown us that it was just one time, <laughs> like just a little bit. Again, I, I don't, I don't want to rag on her too much. I'm just, uh, you know, taking off the, the big, you know, theatrical experience glasses yeah. here and being like, you could have planned this out a little bit better. But that being said, I still think as far as trilogies goes and payoffs, this movie is far superior as far as the writing goes for a lot of the supporting players than most other MCU movies. I agree. Indeed. So yeah, supporting, distracting. Let's talk about some of these these villains now, these ne'er-do-wells from other universes and other movies. Because like we've mentioned, this is a multiverse movie that you've essentially had to watch at least five other movies to kind of fully comprehend what's going on in the background with these supporting characters. But some of them are more highlighted than others so let's get some of the the smaller roles out of the way really quick uh dr connors from the amazing spider-man one reads upon the lizard lizard is back he is the lizard he's back (laughs) (laughs) i i was i was surprised to like actually see him show up again because i'm like they could have easily gotten away with just having a lizard monster right I thought that's what they, uh, yeah, like, yeah, you, I like, I thought they did the same for Lizard and the Sandman. They just oh, yeah. shopped him in with these big CGI monsters and that was it. But no, then they showed up at the yeah, end. Yeah, we got like, to see him. These guys so are- to, to touch on that, uh, Thomas Hayden Church as the Sandman, he didn't actually show up. He did his lines. That shot you see of him at the end. That is from Spider-Man 3. And I went back and double-checked. They just kind of comped him in where he's cut, so getting paced. <laughs> it's weird because when, yeah, when he's getting cured, essentially, is the whole plot of this is Peter Parker's trying to give these villains a second chance where Doctor Strange just wants to send them back to hell where they belong, essentially. Uh, he wants to cure them, and he cures them with his Stark tech. And as you see Sandman get cured, it's just the shot of him getting water on himself a little bit and he looks almost afraid to be cured it's something that stood out to me the second time i saw the movie where i'm like he doesn't look happy he's just kind of like staring at his hand as it becomes human again but yeah, you think you'd be jazzed about being human again <laughs> yes. way, they, they, they took that shot where he gets disintegrated by the water and just reversed it and that's I think so. These yeah. little he looks bastards. young. He wow. looks like he looks in 07. I know. That's what I, I noticed that. I was like, that's a little off. But well, they de-age, you know. Yeah, they de-age people all the time. Yeah. So it didn't, I didn't think about it. And even in this movie, I mean, Dr. Octopus was de-aged. Alfred yeah. Molina. I appreciate these these iterations of Lizard and Sandman because it's just them, it's Lizard just wrecking shit. You know, he's just <laughs> And that's what you want from a lizard. You don't want, you know, the silly side story of him trying to t- turn New York City into a city of lizards. It's just him destroying buildings, and I'm there for it. And Sandman, uh, I mean, I don't know. He's never my favorite villain, so I was never too excited that he showed back up. But I think that they did a. I like that he stayed true to his character, and he was never a true villain in this. Yeah, you know, he was always 
yeah. Uh, I think so that's yeah. why they brought him back is because he was like, as far as Spider-Man villains go, a little bit more developed. Yeah, but like, he didn't die at the end of Spider-Man three, so I don't know. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know what that was about. There's a couple questions about the return of the villains into this universe that uh, I think we have. And said, I got questions about sending them back too, because like, are they just sending them back to the moment they got picked from that universe? Because like, Seems curing them like is just going to do them more damage. Like, right. said, <laughs> like they're just going to die anyway yeah. if they drop them back. So, questions. When did Defoe get? popped into this universe was it was it when he was having the the glider coming at his chest or yeah. was it, like is he gonna pop back in to be completely head clear norman osborne it's like oh yeah this is great yeah so sandman and lizard i wish the lizard yeah. wore his lab coat uh yeah, yeah. that would have been yeah. cool yeah. you're right they, they upgraded the costumes cool. on everybody else not they really did not, still not wearing that lab coat though <laughs> That's just too silly. Thumbs up for both them, though. Yeah, they're not distracting though. They're I just think this rogues. Them. I think this rogues gallery is going to be all thumbs up. Just saying, but by, by yeah, don't show your hand. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'll show it. And I'll show it and win the game anyway. I want to say real quick, Electro. I'm not going to say he's a thumbs down, but mm-hmm. I. It was just so hard to take him seriously because, like I said earlier, like he gets transported in this universe and he's somehow more powerful and not blue anymore. They don't explain it, which is a little convenient, but that's Magic. okay. But Stark Tech, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, he was he wasn't blue before the Stark Tech though. <laughs> so I'm just saying, like, I'm just saying that, like, his performance it was very hard to. It was very convenient. It's better than Amazing Spider-Man 2. It is better, but I'm still kind of middle of the road of Jamie Foxx's performance of Electro, I think. I, this sounds really mean. It's just Jamie Foxx being Jamie Foxx. <laughs> like, he's not... Like, the best part is when Willem Dafoe is, like, literally dragging him up as a character because he's... There's that turn, and we'll get into that scene, but he has that uh, very uh, monologue-ish line where he's like, you know we're all powerful and gods don't have to choose. And the most powerful person in that room is arguably Electro. And it's like, yeah, you could easily be convinced to just flip over to the violent evil side by some, you know, madman giving a speech about being all powerful when you literally are just 100% power. So that was the moment where I was like, I think I'm kind of up on this Electro, even though it is just Jamie Foxx being Jamie Foxx. I mean, are we going to complain about that? He's awesome. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, yeah. He's just so different from even how he was before he was turned to Electra in the last movie. It's just so different. That's a little jarring. Upgrades, Daniel. Upgrades. Okay. Magic. Magic. Well, I mean, like, think about it. Like, Lizard is the only other movie or the only other character out of The Amazing Spider-Man other than Andrew, of course. And the villains that came out of those two movies weren't exactly the strongest ones. No shit, really? (laughs) (laughs) I'm trying to, the fact that they brought in Electro, who was arguably one of the most disappointing aspects of, you know, the second Spider-Man, Amazing Spider-Man movie. I think that they had to make such a drastic change to like the, like, I don't know, the animating sort of, (laughs) like, 
personality behind the character. And if Jamie Foxx Jamie Fox wants to just riff on whatever's in his head, I'm cool with it. He's a great actor. Let him let him let him do it. Yeah, yeah. he was all right with me. Yeah, and the two biggest ones are are argue, arguably I'd say probably without argument here amongst the four of us are and we'll talk about them now as Alfred Molina as Doc Gock and Willem Dafoe as Green Goblin, which are the best ones from the existing Spider-Man rogues gallery and the most welcomed ones back. And so getting to see how they, they, and they have most, the most to do and the most character change, I guess you could say where it's, I love how they flip it, where they introduce them as the reverse of what we left them as where Green Goblin comes in as, oh, I'm just Norman Osborn again, and I'm a mentally ill person, and I want help, and I want to help you guys. And Alfred Molina is just this crabby old octopus man who's just like, I hate all of you guys, and I want to get out of here as quick as I can. (laughs) The power of the sun in the palm of my head. He's obsessed with it still. Listen, I think Willem Dafoe's performance is better than it was in... Sam Raimi's and that's hard for me to say because that is just like one of my favorite villain performances ever but I love that they ditched the mask and Willem Dafoe just got to make crazy Willem Dafoe faces and laugh mm-hmm. hysterically as he's getting beat up and just he just looks like a maniac and uh, it's a great performance he steals the show for me um Doc Ock is excellent as well but I think he's a little bit overshined by Willem Dafoe I gotta say I don't think that was like I don't think they intended it any other way like I think Green Goblin is obviously the arch nemesis like (laughs) that hits it home (laughs) Wesley you said something I'm gonna break fourth wall here on the bagel verse but you said something when it first came out there and it was uh, I think the perfect way to sum it up let me see if I can get it back perfectly Oh, perfectly shit. i don't know if i'm gonna get it back <laughs> verbatim <laughs> yeah no you said you said that it all it took was one day of green goblin seeing this spider-man who he has never met to absolutely learn understand and execute a way to completely ruin his life yeah green goblin is spider-man's arch nemesis he knows how to attack his heart <laughs> yep the heart Hi. willem defoe yeah he he's spectacular and daniel you said it like the biggest gripe with the his like from that first spider-man was why put him in this motorcycle suit of a goblin and have this big bulky mask the man looks like a goblin just let him be green goblin (laughs) and he and yeah he was fantastic those fight scenes with him man they made him seem so like just opposing and strong and like i've never seen that spider-man take that a beating that bad since i mean i the vulture messed him up pretty good dropping a building on him but man they were going through floors of this apartment building you just feel <laughs> the weight too from everything. oh yeah it's like it's like you oh just... it was it was awesome and then yeah seeing alfred merlina back as doc ock is perfect and i love the fact like he shows up he's pissed off and the arms are in control but by the end yeah, he's just a nice guy, you know, he's yeah, just he's a scientist, like, you know, and it was good yeah. to see him flip back, you know, because that's the way mm-hmm. it ended in Spider-Man 2. The movie has the perfect timing where it knows exactly when to make the flip back, where it's like, we've gotten so used to re-watching Spider-Man 2 and we like, we like seeing Molina as this redeemed hero, and that's what they're able to do with him is bring him back to that point to where at by the end of the movie he's helping the other spider-men out but 
they do the again the big switch and big reveal with the spider sense and he's in this room full of all these villains and it's one of the coolest scenes in all of spider-man franchise history where you see him just go off and web goblin and goblin says you know like i said starts into that monologue yeah and he just starts laughing and kicking his ass like logan we were back at that dolby theater again and every punch (laughs) i was just like "Oh, oh my gosh like he's going through the building and the 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 music from Giacchino in that scene, the movie like is like, oh, okay, I guess we're like we're like Dark Knight levels of like dark here, like it's just vicious and brutal. And yeah, like you guys said, when he punches him, his face is just looking at Peter, smiling, and then he kills Aunt May like at the end of that sequence. And you're just like, this is why Green Goblin is the Joker to Batman, why he's the number one because he's just everything spider-man isn't not necessarily from a power standpoint but just from he's an ideological he's murder he he just he knows how to intimately kill someone without physically killing that person you know and that's who he is he's he's an evil mad superpower genius it's it's great he's something of a scientist himself too We've been talking a lot of these villains now, and we would be remiss if we didn't talk about the biggest and most crowd-pleasing reveal with about, I'd say about 35 minutes left in the movie. They get a big chunk of screen time. In swings Andrew Garfield and Tobey Maguire into the movie, and everybody just loses their minds and opens their hearts again to these characters that we've come to love over the years. But what were like the i guess everybody give me like your highlight moment because there's so many good moments within the last 30 minutes of all three spider-man together but if there was one that stood out to each of you i'd like to hear it so they bring in andrew first and they have a little bit of a sequence going on with him and it's great everything about andrew's introduction is perfect and i was like like the minute they start bringing him in like i'm already hype on the movie but like it just kicks it into 12th gear at that point like i am completely like 100 zoned in on the movie my focus is there and then they bring in toby and i'm just like losing my mind i got a little scared though because toby is not in his suit for the first part of the sequence that you see him and i'm like i mean is he gonna straight up just do street clothes spider-man that'll be cool but (laughs) I kind of want to see the Raimi suit and then he eventually does get in the suit and just I noticed that the way that they fight is very distinct from each of them which is really cool to see how it all works together once they're like we've never been on a team how do we do this just yeah use the sense Mm -hmm. guys that was a great moment I don't know if I could pick out just one if I had to pick out just one probably where Toby and Andrew are or Andrew's kind of helping hold Toby up when they're saying goodbye after mm-hmm. Toby gets stabbed. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I as as soon as Andrew showed up, uh, my theater went nuts. And I, I think yeah. Andrew got a bigger cheer than Toby did. And uh, just the, the reaction from the crowd, it seemed like a lot of people were more excited to see Andrew back just because he loves the character of Spider-Man and got burned pretty bad with Amazing Spider-Man too. It was kind of closure for him and a lot of like the fans of the Amazing Spider-Man series. For me... Toby is my Spider-Man like Mm -hmm. I I I I love those movies as bad as the third one is and as how like campy they can be I love them and just him talking to Andrew Garfield about how complicated like the relationship with his Mary Jane was but they Mm -hmm. made it work thank you for that because that gives closure to 
a, a, a just a mystery that I've been waiting for or to be solved. What is happening with Spider-Man and Mary Jane at the end of Spider-Man 3? It just kind of ends and you don't know where they end up. And it was just really nice to see, to get some closure on that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I loved the moment where they're talking about how to cure the villains and they're all working in the lab together. And Toby mentions that, like, yeah, I think I can make an antidote for Norman. I've been thinking about it quite a bit. Like, that's just, just a perfect moment because you can tell that death really stuck with Peter and it's a defining moment through those movies. And it just shows his character of Peter Parker. Peter Parker's a sweetheart. That's mm-hmm. why we love him. Um, I would say the highlight for me would also be um, Ned's grandma, the comedy they do with her. Uh, I, I cheered for that. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. <laughs> no, I would say that... Uh, I don't know. I think right below Willem, I think Andrew Garfield has still the show for me. He was just so fantastic in this and so energetic. And uh, amazing, would you I say? I would. I would say amazing, Logan. I think I would. I I do want to add uh, when uh, Toby and Doc Ock share their moment, and you can you hear that Spider Man theme, the Danny Elfman theme. It was ah. Uh, Great. They yeah. even have a, a callback line where he's like, Peter, my boy, like you've grown. He's like, how are you doing? He says, trying to do better, which is what he says in, in the movie. And it's, like, yeah. you don't get brilliant, but lazy, brilliant, but lazy. <laughs> exactly. And so I think like the callbacks and everything are earned and they are fan servicey, but they're, they're not overdone. The one for me, the moment between the three of them, which weirdly sticks out more than in any of the others is something that's played mainly for comedy, but also works really well because it makes sense within the, this triple Spider-Man threat you've got going on here is when they're fighting on the Statue of Liberty and they're kind of failing at curing the villains that are there in the moment. And Tom Holland kind of pulls them all in. And he's like, Hey, listen, I know what's going on. Like, I don't want to brag or anything, but I've been a part of a team. And that's, that is the one thing he does have on these two other versions of Spider-Man and he works well and he has the, the team chemistry, if you will. And he's going to kind of rally them to figure out how they need to fight together to defeat these guys. And, you know, if I, you know, they kind of go back and forth and say, Oh, the Avengers, is that like a band? Like, what is that? Like all this kind of stuff, but then they're, you know, about to execute their plan and (laughs) Holland goes, all right, I'm Peter one. Toby's like Peter two. And, garfield's just like I'm peter three that's me i'm peter three like he's just so re- self-referential to like how i guess the broad public would see him or you know some people do it's just yeah. it was one of my favorite spider-man moments as a big spider-man fan but that's what this movie is and that's why you know i love it i'm gonna rewatch it a ton i'm sure when it comes oh, yeah. out gonna add the steel book to the collection back there it's gonna it, it makes me so happy that this is something that just exists as an idea. When I Wait, you're going to buy this movie? Uh, I, probably 12 copies, really? Daniel. <laughs> oh, wow. I, I buy movies expecting. now. I don't know if I told you that. <laughs> no, really? Huh. I thought you were more of a book guy. I am going to say one thing about Tom Holland, just because his performance in this movie impressed me so much. Mm-hmm. The sequence that honestly stood out to me the most it was his ability to tap into like this rage like underneath Mm. the surface because tom holland like he's a cinnamon roll of a human being in real life and mostly on the screen too like he's just a sweet guy he doesn't really do getting mad that much he doesn't get 
ragey. He doesn't get outbursty or impulsive. So when he is fighting Defoe at the Statue of Liberty and Toby has to run in there and stop him from stabbing the goblin straight up after he has thoroughly beat his ass. I thought he was going to stab both Toby and Defoe in that moment. Just the absolute unrestrained, <laughs> I'm going to kill you, which was behind Tom Holland's eyes in that moment. He stabs Andrew Garfield, too. He stabs him <laughs> all, all three yeah. of them. Just... I, I will murder every Spider-Man. <laughs> I, it's like, it, it, it just floor, it floored, it floored me because I was like, he looks like he actually is going to kill Willem Defoe in real life right now. Spider-Man kills the Marvel Universe. They'll just go there. <laughs> murdering everybody. Isn't that a real comic? I feel like that got done. Deadpool. I know a couple of those yeah. got done. Yeah, yeah, Deadpool. Like the Punisher and uh, Deadpool have one, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, Tom Holland, seminal actor of our generation. Yeah. For sure. We I, I, when Toby got stabbed, I, I almost was very mad at that movie. And I'm like, you just gave me him back. Don't take him away. <laughs> but then it was just, he's fine. It's like, oh, yeah, oh, he's been fine. I, before. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, you know, we'd be remiss and, you know, uh, regretful if we didn't mention one of the other seminal actors of, of all time here. And this movie, Somehow, even though Daniel already gave it the 125% Rotten Tomatoes score earlier on, we got to give it another 30% from the J.K. Simmons performance because bump it all the way up. Bump it up, so J.K., good. J. Jonah Jameson. They expand on his little Daily Bugle with the, the Daily Bugle supplements and everything. And I love yeah. how at the beginning of the movie, he's the one essentially breaking this news and you see it kind of pan out and he's just in a room much like this where it's like in a garage somewhere with a green yeah. screen and by the end of the movie he's become so successful that it's an actual news studio with like employees and he's got a van and it's it's all sorts of stuff and so that was one of the things that i was worried they were going to try to just copy paste and they didn't like he's still the same exact guy but they're telling it in the mcu kind of way which is really cool it's it's a perfect way to update the character for modern times yeah, too, and really still make is. and keep it relevant and you know true to what that character was in the original comics. You know, yeah, because in the comics, great, like the bugle is like more of a tabloid, isn't it? It's not like the yeah. most. Yeah, I think it. I think it was memory. a. Yeah, sometimes it's just a straight up newspaper. Sometimes it's like a tabloid. It's a lot of this things. This J. Jonah Jameson has definitely been on the Joe Rogan experience a couple times. <laughs> oh, yeah. He is the, it's the J. Jonah experience. <laughs> <laughs> Let's really quickly fire through some potent quotables before we get into bagels and, and hopefully get out of this bagel verse. Uh, I kind of said a few already with the Peter three, but the other one that kind of came up that I didn't get to mention was that turn back into the goblin and is when Molina kind of looks over and he's like, Norman, and Defoe's just smiling and he's like, Norman's on sabbatical, honey. Yeah. <laughs> that was a good line. This is hard because I've only seen the movie once in theaters, mm -hmm. so it's hard to remember quotes perfectly, but uh, I, I loved when was the loaf of bread at Andrew Garfield. She goes, don't you have a spi uh, spider sense? He goes, not against bread. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that was good. I liked. Um, oh, just the just the my back thing. Yeah, that's what I was gonna say. My the, back. The lower back hurts from swinging. It must be the web swinging. Yeah. 
and the the whole the whole conversation with the web blood too like yeah. they have cartridges and he doesn't <laughs> the one that gets me is when after andrew saves gwen from the fall and she's like are you okay and he is like absolutely ready to ball his eyes out and he's like yeah i'm okay i like ned asking toby if he has a best friend in his universe and he's like he died tragically my best friend's arm and died like, in my <laughs> okay yeah, that's right <laughs> One that got a huge laugh out of uh, my audience when we went was, oh, are you just planning on fighting as a cool youth pastor or do you have a suit with you? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was a good one, yeah. That and I, really... and that, to reveal like, yeah, I, oh, I'm not just, I, I'm, I'm going to suit up, guys. Don't worry. <laughs> you guys all have the tingle thing? Yeah, we do too. And they, and I know they, they just call it Spidey Sense at that yeah, point. Yeah, they should at this point. That which yeah. they did that so well in this movie. I don't know if you guys talked about that yeah. before we showed up here, but mm-hmm. like when he's having the astral projection experience with Doctor Strange, and his body is still on point with avoiding. It's like that's what Spider Sense is. <laughs> yes. Yeah. The uh, the last one I had was another. Just what they changed from the trailer is something that was originally kind of a cringy line for me is scooby-doo this crap but just hearing benedict cumberbatch say scooby-doo this shit twice in the movie somehow just rolled off the tongue better and i was like that's a little bit better and more palatable than saying crap the lady in front of me when he said scooby-doo this shit gasped (gasps) (laughs) scandalous language (laughs) steve rogers from the musical pops in When, uh, when we get the sequence between Andrew and uh, Jamie Foxx and he's like, kid from Queens, thought you would have been black when we're referencing Miles Morales. I'm like, I think we're going to get a Miles Morales in this universe too at some point. We are. We definitely so. are. With, yeah. He's referenced in Homecoming. Yeah. They, yeah, he, yeah. Donald Glover's in there as uh, his uncle, right? Yeah. Prowler. He'll show up. Yeah. Is, he as, is he as the same uncle as Prowler was in yeah, it's always, uh, it's always oh, Uncle I, Aaron. If we yeah. can, if we can get a Donald Glover Prowler, that my life is my life is good. <laughs> <laughs> Tell Glover. That's I did I did like Matt Murdock's. I'm a, a very good lawyer. I'm a very good lawyer. <laughs> this movie just greets all Spider-Man's fans with the biggest hug imaginable at pretty much every corner, and so. The one it ends with a group hug. It it does end with a group hug. (laughs) I just movie. It's therapeutic. Like watching this movie was therapeutic. Like I felt closure on so many threads from my childhood. (laughs) For that reason, though, for the same reason, it does feel that way. Uh, It does fail and gets a big old no from the question: Can it stand alone, Stallone? Because you (laughs) you can't even watch like this as an MCU movie. You have to have watched probably Endgame and Doctor Strange, Homecoming, Far From Home, and if you really want to get the most out of it, Spider-Man 1, 2, 3, and Amazing Spider-Man 1 and 2. You have like nine movies you have to watch to get the most out of this, and at least four at the minimum to like keep up. (laughs) You got some homework. It's amazing that we live in a time where that's what like movies have to do. Like the context layers like movies are becoming comic books at this point like if you ever talk to like a comic nerd like myself or my brothers or anything like that back in the early aughts it's like well 
you, you have to read this book for me with Star Wars. It's like, well, it's actually in this book, in this series, and we're starting to have to do that with freaking movies now, too. It's like, well, this Spider-Man was from this movie, and this villain was from this movie, but he has a little bit extra characteristics because he's in this universe, and we're having to do the same sort of really ultra-nerdy explanation, but now with film. Yep. It's great. It's beautiful. I love it. <laughs> All right, so bagels and rewatchable scale for Spider-Man No Way Home. I think you guys would probably be along the same wavelength. Uh, is watch with friends, watch with the pack theater. It's a transcendent experience if you get a lot of hyped fans in a room to watch this together. And I'm very excited mm-hmm. to revisit this with oh, yeah. any group of people I can find that haven't gotten to experience yet. I'm out on the streets yeah. trying to figure out. It's like, do you like Spider-Man? Yes. Have you seen No Way Home? No. All right get in the van like here's your copy (laughs) and it's almost like this movie is like immune to spoilers because like even if it's years later and you find someone who knows what happens in the movie but has never seen it you sit them down to watch it they are going to get just as much of enjoyment out of it as if they are seeing it for without any prior context hardcore disagree really i just i just realized you have to watch all those movies you just listed off west and the netflix daredevil series Yes. <laughs> Three seasons. You think that if the, the you think that if the Spider-Man came into this movie though with knowing the spoilers, let's let's say it's five years out in the future, you guys reviewed it for your five-year uh, movie review thing, all right? And it's somebody who is a Spider-Man fan or at least casual has seen some of the Raimi movies, has seen Amazing Spider-Man, and you sit him or her down and watch this movie. They know what's going to happen. Do they enjoy it just as much? I think yes, by a significant margin. <laughs> no yeah. way. That's like that's like it's the twist factor. Someone who is a fan. Yeah, it doesn't make it any less satisfying, know. though. Yeah. It's we can disagree to get we can agree to <laughs> That's unquantifiable. That is. If you don't know, you're so much more surprised and enthralled, I feel like. Whereas if you know not exact specifics, but know what's going to happen like oh there's toby mcguire oh there's andrew garfield i just was waiting for them rather than being just whiplashed that they showed up into the movie i don't know i think there might be more fun in the waiting but that's just me all right uh, all right teach I like the antip- well you can leave what's your no what's your what's your rewatchable scale then uh seek it out by, seek it out. by, by far seek it out seek it out seek it out absolutely yeah seek it out with friends there you go since yeah. we do like doing the little mm-hmm. com- combo things seek it out with friends mm-hmm. bagels it's tough because i've only seen the movie once why is everybody nervous i'll say it i i'm willing to do it i think we get a four-way baker's dozen out of this shindig that's not happening oh, <laughs> oh, sorry absolutely not i can't uh, as i've seen the movie once i am gonna i'll go first and i'll do a nice eight Point seven, that's high. I was gonna say an eight point five. Yeah, eight point five for me. I'm stuck in this uh, everlasting problem of giving Far From Home way more bagels than I should have, even though I still love that movie to death. So I think I have to give this like a nine point one because I like it more than Far From Home on the record. <laughs> it will forever ruin any future Spider-Man movies like ranking and bagel like theory if someone's out there logging these numbers because they don't make any sense held up to what i say but i do think this is the the best performance and the best one from the holland series so it's the best of those three so 9.1 bagels agreed i mean i'm gonna say nine five 
at least. You can give it a 10, Mikey. You were going to give it a dozen. You can give it a 10. Okay, then I'll do, I'm going to quantify it this way. This is not mo- the most technically or like a made movie ever. Like I've seen better cinematography. I've seen better music. I've seen better acting. But as far as like the movie going experience and just everything that this oh, movie yeah. did for the satisfaction and nostalgia and the sure. like closure that it brought. JK bump, 30%. Oh, the yeah. JK bump. Yeah. I'm giving oh, it, I'm, I'm giving it. The only reason I won't give it a 10 is because I think I should reserve that for like my ultimate movies, which there mm-hmm. maybe are one or two of. So I'm going to give Spider-Man it. Spider-Man 3, yes. My, There's no Nickelback in this we movie. We all know Moneyball is As this bagel verse is kind of coming to a close here and starting to separate us all, uh, dare we test the fates and really quickly with the last few moments here, try to rank all the Spider-Man movies, including both Venom movies. In the closing oh. minutes of this episode, <laughs> let's go. Let's go. I Rapid should we start at the bottom. Start at the bottom. Yeah, start start at the bottom. Spy- Amazing Spider-Man Two. Nice. Yes. yes. Right. Every yeah. agreed. Spider-Man Three. It's the biggest okay. drop off. It's the biggest drop off for a perfect You're trilogy. Wrong. Almost. I'm sorry. <laughs> Thank you. I yeah. think we'll Spider-Man we'll 3. go we'll go by voting here, and if it's a two way <laughs> split, either way. If there's a Daniel West majority, like we, I, I feel like that's what overthrew. So Amazing Spider-Man <laughs> Two, what's after that? Is it, uh, it for me? After that, it's Let There Be Carnage. I know it's not for you, Daniel. <laughs> I haven't seen but... it yet. <laughs> no, Venom. Venom's worse. First Venom. It's Venom. Venom. Okay, so Venom. Uh, I had Venom next <laughs> after Let There Be Carnage. Put Venom Two. <laughs> All right, Venom. No, so... I like Venom Two. <laughs> That's Daniel's like right. third favorite Spider-Man movie. <laughs> he loves Let There Be Carnage. Uh, I love all the carnage. Amazing Spider-Man, I'd probably put then. Yeah. And then Venom too. Then Venom. I too. had I I no! did I had okay, hold on. Then Spider-Man 3. We cannot put I had cannot put I'm gonna buy by my own list. Oh, I I, Daniel, I'm actually with you here. We can we can overrule this as the bagel power in Supreme <laughs> Court here. Uh I had Spider-Man 3 next and then Amazing Spider-Man. You guys are hating on Spider-Man 3 yes. too much. Man. It's, Go back I'm and watch. sorry. It it retcons the Uncle Ben thing. There's a lot of shit with Venom in that movie that just doesn't work on any level on, other than the ironic way of watching it. It's not good. <laughs> it's uh, after right. the after those, so somewhere in there, I, yeah, I, I had the first Spider-Man after that and Far From Home kind of tied. Oh, no, I would put the first Spider-Man above Far From Home for sure. Yeah. And above Where's, Homecoming. Is that what you're saying, Daniel? Or are you saying no? You kind of froze. Uh, far from, I'm totally lost in this list right now. I put Spider-Man 1 uh, very close to the top, like probably three or four. I'm a big fan of that's that movie. kind of where we're at right now. We've only yeah. got, okay, okay, uh, okay. I guess we've got, well, that's kind of like at six at this point is what we're saying. Okay, I like it burns by man too, but I know you guys disagree with that. That's all right. Spider Man Two is tops. I think we can all Spider Verse is tops, but we'll get well, there. Well, we know. Okay, so we kind of all have all said this in one way or another. <laughs> We're. It, it sounds like I think you guys would agree. As far as the Holland Spider Man movies, we've got 
far from home homecoming and then no way home is that how we're kind of doing this maybe yes far from home homecoming no way home so that we can kind of lock in as a sidebar where does spider-man 2 and spider-verse fall for for you guys because in my opinion they're above both all three of them still spider-man 2 spider-verse no way home that's my top three yeah i i think i'd agree with that mikey and i i honestly between spider-man 2 and spider-verse they kind of they they switch pretty frequently for for the show's sake spider i have spider versus number one as the baker's dozen title holder right now and spider is a great two movie. below it it is really good it's exactly what this movie's it's the reason this movie that we're talking about today was made um, it walked so that this movie could run and we're oh, flying awesome. we are flying out of the bagel verse now thank you all for listening to this crazy episode of the bagel boys show <laughs> <laughs> we'll see you guys all. We'll see everybody who's here again in within the Batman miniseries. And we can't wait for Absolutely. that to start. I'm pumped. Oh, yeah. Excited. Thank you all for listening and bless your farts <laughs> and bless those spider blarts. Huh. Spider blarts, huh? says that the reason why Spidey is so popular is because all of us can relate to him and I agree. I needed Spidey in my life when I was a kid and he gave me hope. In every comic I read he was living out mine and every skinny boy's fantasy of being stronger, of being free of the body I was born into and that swinging sensation of flight. And upon receiving his power unlike most who who become corrupted He used it for good. And I think we all wish that we had the courage to stick up for ourselves more, to to stick up for a loved one more, or even a stranger you see being mistreated. And Peter Parker has inspired me to feel stronger. He made me, Andrew, braver. He reassured me that by doing the right thing, it's worth it. It's worth the struggle. It's worth the pain. It's worth even the tears, the bruises, and the blood. And I I, I wouldn't be able to stand here in front of you guys right now without feeling that Spider-Man was here with me with his reassuring hand on my shoulder, making sure I don't fall over and concuss myself. He has inspired countless people, girls, boys, men, women, all of us. And he has saved lives and he saved my life. And I owe Webhead a lot and I owe Stan the Man a lot. And I'm humbled to be here like you do not know. To share the work that we've done with all of you. And this is my first Comic Con. And... and (laughs) This is definitely the coolest moment of my life. And thank you for being here and sharing it with me. Thank <laughs> you.